Hey, welcome to The Conversation. This is Andy Mason, and you're listening to Authentic Conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. And we are now in the Poconos, which is in Pennsylvania. Beautiful green, a crazy thunderstorm last night in them. But it is absolutely outstandingly beautiful up here. Uh, we have an Airbnb uh, with the entire family until June the 30th. So we've already had visitors, international visitors actually. It's profound what we're seeing unfold. Uh, and also got to go down to Lancaster, which is a big theatre down there called Sight and Sound and saw the show of David. Now, if you get the chance, uh, well, make the chance. It is a just wonderful, wonderful, I just can't say enough about that, hugely impacted by that show, Uh, pleasantly surprised. I thought I'd take my kids, you know, they'll enjoy it. They're into theatre, drama. I was probably the one that was impacted the most. Uh, you, I cannot describe it without you just being in there. But here's a couple of keys. One, the uh, it, it's immersive, the full-on experience. Uh, the level of excellence is outstanding. And the presence of God and the story that unfolds caught me by surprise. Uh, We then got to have a private tour in behind the scenes backstage and seeing the excellence, the commitment to uh, honoring the Lord in this whole process, I was just hugely impacted. So uh, to be continued is what I would say, the relationship there and what's going on and certainly going back. But that story was so significant, the story of David, and that's going to come and weave in and out of today's episode. So uh, the context is we're up here, and uh, this morning I was sitting down processing, journaling, uh, just reviewing a ton of what God had been saying, and my 19-year-old walks in, sits down opposite me and says, "Uh, Dad, you reek of stress. Now, if you hear that, that's a bit of a shock. But it was certainly solid feedback. That's not fun. I thought I was hiding it better than that. I thought I was covering. I thought I was doing what I need to do to protect, to hide, to take care of things. But uh, my family is giving me feedback that what's going on on the inside of me is coming on out. Tariq means to smell strongly and unpleasantly, to stink. Uh, So I guess I needed some more stress work. So what am I going to do? Here's the context. Uh, We're in the Poconos, which I mentioned. This Airbnb has got two more weeks from today. Uh, It's supposed to be a relaxing time, but it's probably anything but that for me. Uh, Because we haven't found a home yet. We literally have nowhere to go. And then when we asked all the kids to ask the Lord, hey, so do we need to get some more short-term a rental or Airbnb after this, unanimously they all went away and heard the Lord say no. I'm like, ah, the closer we get to that deadline, the more pressure I feel. Uh, We've got three dogs, we've got a truckload of household items that are in transit that's supposed to land somewhere, and we've got a word from God about being here. Specifically, I've got friends that said, hey, come, move to this location, that location. And I'm like, yeah, I I know, but we have this conviction that there's a particular place we are to be. And whenever we try and settle for something else, 
it's just like our conviction holds us in that. So overlay all of that. Uh, my oldest daughter starts jobs, two jobs starting 1st of July in that location. I've got uh, one of the my daughters is working full-time remotely, so that's okay for her. She can work anywhere. And then uh, we've got two, one going to college. So all of the, okay, what's your home address? Uh, we don't know. Uh, changing DMV, that's licensing, that's health checkups, that's all of those things. And my youngest is going into a high school, which also requires a ton of these things, for which there's so many questions I cannot answer. Over all of that with heaven and business, the plans for the next six months, the trips, and uh, it's it's a little bit stretching. No, I reek of stress is what the feedback that I got. So I'd already spent 30 minutes going over again what God had said and just checking in on that. It was encouraging, sort of, because it tells me what to do and we're it's aligned with we're in the right place at the right time doing all that we need to do. And yet, where's God? Like, you, we're, we're doing our part, but where's your part in this? I wrote down this. It feels more like God says, jump and I'll catch you, except we're now free-falling and it doesn't look like he's even begun to move into position. I cannot see him. And then every time I look to him, he seems completely relaxed. There's no urgency. There's no hurry. And I'm like, don't you realize we got like two weeks from today and all of the things that need to be organized? So two major temptations. We went for a walk with my wife yesterday uh, and just talking through what we feel like doing. Number one, make it happen. Uh, we, we could find a house. We could easily find, there's actually a bunch of houses we could move into tomorrow and it will do. Uh, it's settling, yeah, but we need a house. We could do that. Uh, we could secure a three to six month rental. The problem is that is going against all that we heard God say. It's called disobedience. And I have five other people in my household who are holding me to account. When your 19 year old walks in and says, dad, you reek of stress. Oh my gosh, I have to adjust. So number one, make it happen. Yeah, that's that. I can't do that with the family that I've got, the people that I'm leading, they see straight through it. Number two, make it go away. Live in denial and avoidance and hide from pain. My, my daughter just made some chocolate brownie. Just go and have another piece of chocolate brownie. Uh, just eat, drink and be merry. Yeah, that's not going to work either. Uh, we've got a calendar deadline and every day we're getting close to that. And as I already mentioned, I've got five other people in this household that have needs and that's just not going to go with that. I can certainly read, pray, go for a run, uh, eat some brownie. But I know that if I eat two, three, four pieces, I'll start to feel more miserable. So I can't make it happen and I can't make it go away. So what am I going to do? So here's the process. And I trust this encourages you where you are at. Uh, number one is learn about trust. I was saying to my wife, I feel like my faith muscle is tired. We're getting worked out here. But trust is all about letting go my understanding. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That means letting go control. How do I know I've got control? Because I'm getting stressed. I'm getting anxious. I'm getting uptight, irritable. Why? Because there's so many things that I cannot control. 
from the real estate agent and the time that he'll give back to me to the emails, to the houses on the market, to the things that we need to get or not get, to the how we're driving to those locations and the vehicles on the road that I get irritable at. What's that all evidence of? That's evidence that I'm not trusting God, that I want control. I want control of everything, baby, because if I had control, then I'd have security. Yeah, no. Trust means to cast my cares on him, on something or someone. It literally means this, to be secure, to fear nothing for oneself, to set one's hope and confidence upon anyone, to throw one down on his back, to throw in the face, to throw oneself, all one's cares on anyone. That's what it means, to throw myself and my cares on him, his face and his back. So I think on that. So is that like careless? Is that being careless? And then I was reading in Proverbs 14 that says this, Proverbs 14, 16, it says, uh, fools rush in with reckless confidence. So it's having confidence, boldness, and the sense of safe, but it's not a reckless abandonment. It's actually a relationship. It's a partnership. It's not just this random throwing. It's actually, no, I know the one in whom I am casting my cares because he cares for me. How do I know? Because I've walked with him for 25, 30 years. I've built up a life with him. And so I'm leaning in and trusting on him. And I've got to continually do that and grow. So what's my part? It's an interaction. It involves two people, me and my part and him and his part. So what is it? Is it he going to carry everything and I do nothing? Is it that that I do everything and he does nothing? Well, sometimes yes, but it's all about this interaction with him. What's my part? I've got to ask him, listen, and then do what he says. I've got to follow my conviction, not my fear. I'm afraid of getting left out to dry. I'm afraid of getting stuck. Now, in the middle of this, we're processing this and the cost and the cost of an Airbnb and all of these things. And that stresses me out as well. And then I get a text from someone saying, hey, Andy, uh, my wife and I were just praying and we want to give you a check to say, welcome to Pennsylvania. Uh, who do I write it out to? So in the middle of j- just this stretch faith, this these, these markers by God, I've got to lock in on that. Like, That is sufficient for today. I've got enough that I need to for today. I want the next six months, 12 months, two years planned out, locked in, controlled and organized. But then I wouldn't require faith or trust. And I know the currency of heaven is trust, is faith, hope and love. I'm like, where's control in this? It's not. So I've got to trust him in the process. So A, I'm learning about trust. I'm learning this process. It's getting stretched again. Even though I've walked with God for decades, I am still at the coalface of learning to trust and trust him again. Uh, Number two uh, is cry out for help. Like you might want to just sit 
sit in the puddle and cry, sit in your closet, lock the door, turn the light off, be in the darkness and just cry, feel sorry for yourself. Yeah, yeah, maybe do that, but don't just cry, cry out, cry out for help. Uh, Psalm 20, it says, answer me in the day of trouble. Read through that and you'll find yourself in the Psalm, Psalm 56 is when is David talking about God? I I'm following you, and these people are out to kill me, and they surround me, and I'm scared. My life's under threat. But when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And so I'm playing a, a song from the soundtrack of that that theater production, David, that we watched two days ago. I'm playing that over and over again, Psalm 56, and it gets to this part. And when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. I will trust in you. It's this crying out for God in the middle of it. And when that psalm aligns with what is it's like resonates with what I'm going through, then camp there and listen to what the Lord is saying and then write it down and then do it. And if you don't get anything, stay camping in that song. If that means playing that song, a psalm, over and over again, you can jump onto, uh, what is it? The, the kids, use, I just use iTunes. The kids use something else where you can just stream stuff. I've forgotten the name of it. But they constantly listen to that. I can feed myself all day long with the Psalms, you uh, version, the Bible app, where they, you, New Living Translation, it's Bible audio for free that you can listen to. Just play the Psalms all through your day, over and over and over again. And I remember doing this when we were first in Redding, California, having no idea what we're doing, how we're doing it, with no income. And all day long, I would just pray play prophetic words of what God has said. And this is Psalm 56. I will trust, I will remember again the promises. I will trust in you in the middle of it. And though I don't know how this is going to look or work out, I will trust in you and you holding me. Uh, one of the things we brought with us when we moved from Reading to, to uh, Pennsylvania was a picture from a, there's a situation when we got down to no income left. We were making plans to head from Reading back to New Zealand. Like, at what point do we leave? And in the middle of that, I had a trip to Alaska with Danny Silk. And I thought, well, at least I'll get distracted being busy. I get there, there's nothing to do. So, in the middle of the worship, I'm, I come to this point where, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm faced with all of this uncertainty. I will just trust in you. I lift my hands. I worship. I feel it's a powerful moment to worship him in the middle of uncertainty, unknown. And then I open my eyes and I see there is someone who's painted a picture and it's called Never Let Go. It's an arm coming down from heaven, an arm coming up from earth and this linked together around the wrist. And I said, that's me. And I go and look much closer after the worship and it's, it's called Never Let Go. It's phenomenal. Jamie Bottoms is the, is the artist that did it. And I see that the hand coming down from heaven is much bigger and stronger. Their grip is stronger than this hand that doesn't, coming up from earth, that doesn't even get around the wrist. And I realized I don't trust my ability to hold on to him. I trust in his ability to hold on to me. 
That's what trust is. It's not about my effort. It's about trusting his nature, his character, his goodness, the history that you have with him. He's done this before. He will do it again. Uh, When the Israelites were faced with an impossible situation, they can't go back because Pharaoh is behind them, hunting them down. They can't go forward because there's the Red Sea in front of them. They stand. They see the salvation of the Lord. And God says, stretch out your hand and move forward. It's this journey of trusting, of listening, of obeying. So A, or one, was learning about trust. Two, was cry, cry out for help. Find yourself in the Psalms, camp in there and pray that. And, and three is worship. Worship, it's actually the best thing you can do. But what else can we do? 2 Chronicles 20, 12 is when this group of people was surrounded by the enemies and there's literally, they say this phrase, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It's probably my number one priority. If nothing else, it's this, whether I'm walking, whether I'm making dinner, whether I'm washing the dishes, whether I'm sitting watching a program, whether I'm reading a book, whether I'm driving in to look at houses, whatever it is I'm doing, keeping my heart posture of turning my face and affection towards God. How do I do that? Well, firstly, you can just keep an attitude of gratitude of what am I thankful for as I'm driving down here? Father, thank you that we've got gas. We've got gas money, that I've got money in the bank to take care of this. Thank you that I've got money to make a really good deposit on a house. I can move fast. Father, thank you for that. That is brown. That is green, not brown. Thank you that we don't have to worry about water here. California, we're on water restrictions here in Pennsylvania. Oh man, there's so much water. It's ridiculous. Father, thank you that I'm with my family, that they are laughing, that we're having joy in the middle of this. Father, thank you for this wonderful place with the dogs where everything today and next week is secure. Father, thank you that I have today sufficient for all I need. So it's this attitude of gratitude. I can pray in in my God language. If you don't have that, then... uh, Ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit and give you a language so that you can pray in the Spirit and with understanding. That's so powerful. When you don't know how to pray, pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit. And it's like then I'm starting to pray for the things I don't even know what to pray for because I'm praying in a God language. And then literally put on worship music, uh, put on something that just grips you, moves you. Uh, in this, again, jumping back to the show that we watched in David, and there was a point in David's life where it seems like his life is coming together. It's amazing. He has killed Goliath. He's got the girl. He's got no taxes. Life is awesome. Uh, the people are singing about him, that David's slain his tens of thousands. It's like he cannot do wrong. And then Saul, the very person that he's serving, tries to kill him. He runs. He's left everything behind. Now he's alone, rejected, abandoned in the cave. And he's like, God, where am I? What do I do? And he begins to worship and everything changes in my, because I'm fixing my focus and attention on God and who God is. 
Hallelujah means praise him. I praise him for his goodness. I praise him for what he has done. I praise him for what he will do. That his name, that his nature, that his word, that his ways are fully dependable and reliable. And when I do that and trust in him, things change, perspective change. And it says, and when I am afraid, I will trust in you. So number one, learn trust. You only learn trust when you've got an opportunity not to. So if you're in a situation right now where you don't know what to do, awesome. You get to grow in trust. Uh, Number two, cry out for help. Find yourself in the Psalms. Play them and then pray them. They're so powerful to pray back to God the Psalms. Uh, Don't avoid the emotion, the pain, the difficult. I know you want to either make it happen or live in denial, but neither of those is healthy or helpful. Lean into this place. Find God. Echo your heart in the Psalms and pray that out to him. If you're stuck, Psalm 20 and Psalm 56 will help you on the way. And number three, worship. Worship at all times, everywhere you go. If you're not sure how to do that, get an AirPod, uh, something to put in your ears as you're walking about your day, as you're driving, or put it on a speaker, uh, put it on anywhere, make any excuse. If you're not sure, just walk through the day, thankful. Remind yourself uh, daily through the day, things that you're thankful for. Uh, Even if you're limping, thank God that you're limping on feet. Uh, Whatever it is that you can do, you can do something. I'm sitting here in an Airbnb in the Poconos, surrounded by beauty and wonder and green. I don't have a solution. My desire for control and an outcome is great, greater than I realized. But I'm sitting here in the middle of this and keeping on turning my heart and affection to God. When my kids give me a feedback that I'm reeking of stress, I get to come upstairs, get to go into a closet and get to pray until I'm no longer reeking of stress. Perhaps worship makes me smell better. So perhaps you should do the same. So I bless you. I bless you to find God in the middle of this. I bless you to smell of Jesus even when you're sitting in a prison, sitting in a conflict, sitting in uncertainty, and that you would let go control and find more of God. Tune in next week to find out what happens next.